testing. Testing, testing.
The text or Bible verse we'll look at today is taken from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 7. And it says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Lead us in the way of truth. Your word is truth. Amen. And please be seated. I once read in the, that, that in the Federal Bureau of Statistics, if you were to take um, dense, dense fog and you covered seven huge city square blocks with this dense fog and it was 100 feet high and the fog was so dense that you could barely see your hands in front of it. You couldn't make your way around. You really couldn't see where you were going. If you'd take all that fog and you'd condense it down into liquid, it would fit into a cup about this size. And I want to use that illustration to talk about the cares and concerns that we have in this life. And those would be the things that are in this cup that you're holding in your hand. And, and we all have lots of cares and concerns. We can have cares about how we're gonna do in school, about our roommate, we can have cares and concerns about what kind of job am I gonna get. All kinds of cares and concerns. When those things become worries and anxieties, it's like all of a sudden, what was in this cup starts to become this huge fog and it begins diff becomes difficult for us to begin to negotiate our way from day to day through life. Anxiety or worry is looking what's in that cup, those cares and concerns that we have, and it, it looks to the future. Anxiety is always looking to the future and anxiety is always looking to the future in a negative way. And it's always asking the what if question. What if, for example, what if in my cup I've got to give a speech today in speech class? Or what if I'm going to walk up to this group of people I'd really like to be friends with and then that's in the cup and then we start to think, and what if I mess up? What if I really make a fool out of myself? And then all of a sudden, we start to have this fog and it starts to be hard for us to negotiate our way through that situation. And that can grow and grow and grow. There can be some very serious things that are in this cup that we have, concerns and cares of this life that can truly become deep, deep anxieties. I'll just give you a couple possible examples from people in this room. Imagine that you're on the faculty here at Bethany and uh, the, the Higher Learning Commission is gonna come and do a review of what's going on in your classroom. And you were to, supposed to have a report ready for the Higher Learning Commission and, and that was in your cup and you forgot to do the report. And now they're coming. And all of a sudden you start to look to the future and you start to get this panicky feeling and your heart starts beating harder and you think, what if they find out I didn't do the report? And what if we lose our accreditation? And what if our students can't get placed in jobs because of that? And what if I lose my job? And what if I become shamed? And all of a sudden what was in that cup becomes this huge fog and it's hard for us to negotiate our way through that whole situation. Maybe somebody in this room thinks to themselves, you know, I've, I've tried so hard to be faithful in my dating life, and, and, but, but that just one time, one time, I slipped. 
and I'm so repentant, and Jesus, I'm so thankful you forgive me, but what if? What if I'm pregnant now? What if my mom and dad find out? What if my pastor finds out? What if I have to quit school? What if I can't afford to pay for daycare? And all of a sudden, this huge fog. And it's hard to just negotiate through life. And we can, we can go to bed at night, and that can be the last thing on our mind as we hit the pillow. And all night long, we can stay awake playing the what-if game. And we get up in the morning, and that's the first thing on our heart. And it begins to just consume us like this fog. And we can be physically present, but mentally and emotionally not there. I can be physically in class, but mentally be worried about something else. I can be physically present in a relationship, but not there. The great dangers, there's three great spiritual dangers when those cares and concerns become these huge anxieties and worries. And here's the three great spiritual dangers. Number one is this. Jesus once said, and he talks about cares and concerns. He, he talked about what he, we call the parable of the sower and the seed. And he said, some of the seed fell on good ground and it sprung up and it grew, but thorns and thistles grew up among it and they choked it out. And then Jesus said this. He said, these are they who heard the word and for a little while believed. But then the cares and concerns of this life grew up and choked out their faith. One of the great spiritual dangers is when these cares and concerns become this great fog of anxiety is we can become so focused on the cares and concerns that we lose total focus of and we don't even see through the fog our need to care for our spiritual life and we can lose our spiritual life because of those cares and concerns. Another great danger with these cares and concerns when they become worries and anxieties is when we pray the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer, if you memorize the explanation to that as a kid, if you went to catechism class, one of the things you learn is we, we pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that we don't fall into something called despair. And despair is looking at these cares and concerns, looking at all the negative possibilities and coming to the conclusion there is no possible positive. There's no possible positive outcome to this. And then we fall into despair. And then we give up in class. We give up in our relationships. We give up in our relationship with God. And we turn to other things, drinking, drugs, whatever it may be, to just get us through the cares and concerns. The third great spiritual concern when, when these cares become worries and anxieties is worry itself is a sin. It's lack of trust in God. None of us want to be in that situation. We don't want to live in that kind of fog. And so what do we do? The Bible just gives us this beautiful invitation here. It says, cast all your cares on him. And then it says, why? It says, because he cares for you. And it's going to take you right to the cross. And now I'm going to get, I'm going to get a little vivid here, okay? But 
consider your greatest concern that you ever, ever possibly would have. And I'm just going to look at mine. Imagine in this cup is, is my sin. And it's here, and I walk before God on judgment day, and my sin is in this cup. And I hold it out to him, and I'm going to play the what-if game. What if, when he looks in that cup, my sin is still there? And what if, what if he looks at me and he says, Mark, go to hell? And what if I go there? And what if it's eternal? And what if I can't take it? I don't want that concern. And so the Bible says, cast all your cares on him, all of them, including that deepest and most important one. And so with the eyes of faith, we take that deepest concern and we cast it on him because the Bible says he cares for us. And so we put it in Jesus' hand in repentance. And what do we see Jesus doing? We see him taking that cup that belonged to us. And on Monday, Thursday, as Jesus looks in that cup of our sin, our guilt, it's all been laid on him. And he doesn't play the what-if game. He knows what's coming when he drinks that cup. He knows that with my sin in that cup, his father's going to look at him and he's going to say, go to hell. And Jesus is going to drink that down. And he is going to suffer the torments of hell on the cross. And Jesus pleaded with his father, if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And don't think this was easy for him. The Bible tells you talk about stress. The Bible tells us that he began to sweat as it were great drops of blood as he looked at what was about to happen to him. That is a physiological thing that's possible, but very rare. But it's when somebody is under the deep, deep duress, he knew what was coming. And what did he do? When his father said there is no possible way, other possible way, Jesus took that cup and he drank it down. And now the Father looks at you because of what Jesus did. And when you stand before him on judgment day, he's going to say, I don't see any sin in that man or that woman. I don't see any. It's God. You're my friend. I love you. There's nothing you have to worry about. If Jesus loves you that much, cares for you that much, why wouldn't we cast all our cares on him? Because he cares for us. It also says this. This text says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. Who of us would ever really want to think that if I put enough of my energy, my focus on all this stuff that I, by my own power, could solve all this fog that's in my life. Faith is saying, I God, I'm going to depend on you. I'm putting this in your hand. I humble myself. I put it in your hand. I trust you're going to take, it up, take care of it. And it's trusting. What is the promise? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And he will lift you up in due time. It means you never have to wonder with all these cares and concerns, is there going to be a positive outcome? The promise is he will, not he might, he could, 
He will lift you up in due time. Whatever our cares, concerns, whatever they are, however big they are, put them in God's hands. And there is going to be, there is going to be somehow, some way, someday, and maybe it's not till we get to heaven, but there will be this awesome, positive outcome. So cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And I want to conclude today by just saying this. Often, one of the ways God takes care of our concerns, let's say I'm sick and I cast that care on him. How does he take care of it? Usually through earthly vocations. He gives me a doctor. He gives me a nurse. He gives me a pharmacist. And through those earthly vocations, he takes care of my concerns. We're about to honor 19 people who are on staff here at Bethany. And they've been called by God to an earthly vocation. And their earthly vocation is that they are to be God's eyes, God's ears, God's hands, God's mouth, by which he serves you students here at Bethany. And thank God. Today we thank God for their service, by which through these people, God working through them, he takes care of our cares and concerns. He teaches us, leads us, guides us, instructs us, and prepares us for what's to come. Let's conclude with a prayer. And uh, this prayer, whether you spent the night sleepless because of some anxiety you had or you slept like a baby last night, let's, let's put all our cares and concerns in his hand with this prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you'd keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. And please rise for the hymn.
And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. Please be seated. For your, thank you, Pastor Bartels, for your timely and appropriate message this morning. Each academic year at this time, we pause to recognize those faculty and staff who are observing milestone anniversaries in service to Bethany. It is my privilege and honor to do so this morning, and as we do, I want to take a pause to give a special welcome to family and friends who are here with us this morning for this special occasion. As Pastor Bartell said, being an employee at Bethany is much more than a job. Whether faculty or staff, serving at Bethany is a calling, a calling into a vocation by God himself. Thus, those who serve at Bethany are not only skilled in what they do, but they are uniquely faithful to their vocation and dedicated in service to their Lord and to Bethany, whose purpose is twofold. First and foremost, to engage students with that saving message of Jesus as their Savior. And then secondly, to equip students for productive and fulfilling lives into whatever vocations they are led. This morning, we recognize 19 individuals who you see on the backside of our service bulletin who are observing milestone anniversaries of 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, and 40 years of service to Bethany. We thank Jesus for their God-given gifts and abilities and for their dedicated service on behalf of Bethany Lutheran College and its students. I'm confident that as faculty, staff, and regents, we as co-workers with them are honored and privileged to serve beside each. Following our uh, service this morning, the jubilarians and their guests, faculty, staff, and regents, a reception will be held in their honor over in the Old Main Dining Center. There you may greet and congratulate these colleagues. One at a time, I'm going to read their name and ask them to step forward. I'm going to indicate their area of service at Bethany and their years of service. Each will be receiving a certificate and an honorarium to show our appreciation of their work at Bethany. I ask that we hold our applause until the entire group has been recognized. This morning, I'm assisted by the chairman of our Board of Regents, Reverend Herb Hunter-Cook, and he will come forward and I'll ask him to hand out the certificates as I read the names. So let us begin. Wanda Hull, housekeeping technician 10 years of service. And uh, you, if you're on deck, kind of get ready so that <laughs> you can start scrunching towards the front. Emily Kimball, theater costume design, adjunct faculty, 10 years of service. Jacob Creer, Manager of Alumni Relations and Annual Giving, 10 years of service. 
Stacy Dolly, Director of Accounting, 15 years of service. Robert Hanna, Professor, English, 15 years of service. Patrick Hull, Director of Facilities, 15 years of service. Reverend Donald Molstead, Director of Campus Spiritual Life, 15 years of service. Jennifer Wozmeck, Professor, Psychology, 15 years of service. Glenda Basso, Administrative Assistant, IT Services, Adjunct Faculty, 20 years of service. Chad Hines, Associate Professor, Biology, 20 years of service. Daniel Mundahl, Vice President of Finances and Administration, Adjunct Faculty, 20 years of service. David Norris, Manager of Visual Media, 20 years of service. Tiffany Young Claxim, Professor, Health and Human Performance, 20 years of service. Mark, Reverend Mark DeGarmo, Professor, Religious Studies, Chapel Organist, 25 years of service. Gina Molstead, Admissions Data Specialist, 25 years of service. Paul Wold, International Students Coordinator, Urban Initiatives Coordinator, Event Coordinator, 25 years of service. I think he's a coordinator. <laughs> Lyle Jones, Associate Professor, Exercise Science, Head Women's Basketball Coach, 30 years of service. Lance Schwartz, Director of Institutional Communication, 30 years of service. And last but certainly not least, William Bukowski, Professor, Studio Art, 40 years of service. <laughs> 